to the Circle the Drain Circle podcast. The drain. No longer what it was originally because we had to change the name because the name was already taken by multiple people. So um, yeah. we changed it to something that we thought was more fitting for the podcast and the theme of kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, welcome back. Yeah, we're no longer the upper room. Oh, wait, can we even say that? We probably shouldn't. We might get... We can absolutely say We can say what we want, right? We can't. True. That's right. No censorship on this podcast. All right, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me this weekend. And you guys just... I kind of need your help on it because I got into an online fight with a friend. Uh, The issue I ran into was... It was presented to me that Miracle Whip was not the same as mayonnaise. I totally agree with that. The issue I'm having is, can you use Miracle Whip the same way you use mayonnaise? Now, this person that I'm arguing with says that it's disgusting, right? She doesn't care for it at all. But then she tells me that she uses it in tuna fish. She uses it in devil eggs. So I'm thinking to myself, you obviously don't, you don't hate Miracle Whip at all. You just don't like it in some applications. I happen to be a big fan. Is Miracle Whip the same as mayonnaise, or is it completely different? And what should the proper applications be for a sandwich spread slash salad dressing? Um, well, they're definitely completely different and equally gross, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I don't personally use mayonnaise or Miracle Whip. I mean, I'll, every once in a while. If you catch me on a good day, I'll put mayo on a sandwich. But I'm not I'm not going to use either. So you don't care for it whatsoever. No, I don't. I'm a I'm a hater. And I'll so is it, is it a textual like a texture issue? It's it's both. It's the texture and the taste. I'm not a fan of either. I mean, it again, if you catch me on a good day, maybe. Maybe I can handle it. I'll tell you they're almost interchangeable for me. Really? Oh my wow. goodness, absolutely because mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of mayo, usually on a BLT, you know, a good sub sandwich, something like that. But, but Miracle Whip is delicious. I, I don't know what the problem is with it. I, I, I mean, I guess there are some things I wouldn't put it on, but for the most part, if, if it's available, I'm going to put it on a sandwich. I disagree. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a fan. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's probably both the taste and the texture, but just. What's your take on me? Um, Definitely more situational for me, I think. Uh, I am a big mayo fan. I don't use Miracle Whip as often compared to mayo, but I think Miracle Whip, due to the sweetness of it, it's very difficult for me to just swap it out with anything I put mayo on because not all of those things need the sweetness of Miracle Whip. So... Not everything needs to tangy zip. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I'm just not a Miracle Whip fan, personally. Uh, I'm not, like, 100 years old, so... I don't see how your age has anything to do with it. I mean, there's plenty of young people who eat Miracle Whip. Very much... Almost anywhere I go, I, I would say that I see young people enjoying Miracle Whip. About every old person I have ever talked to has told me about... The tangy zip of Miracle Whip. Every single one. So you think it it has 
It has to do with age? It has to do with age. I mean, that could very well be true. I feel like if we ran, if we ran the numbers, if we did some tests, we'd find similarities and connections between the two. But um, if you're asking me, it, it depends on the situation. I I'm going to go with, I bet regular mayonnaise is older than Miracle Whip. Probably. You're definitely right. So on what are you talking about? It's just, you know, there was regular mayonnaise and then Miracle Whip came along and then all those, all the people then were like, whoa, this is crazy. And then, you know, the next generation comes along and they're just like, that was stupid. We should go back. We should go back. Yeah. I'll break the tie here. As someone who's seen plenty of young people and old people, I I don't think that young people use Miracle Whip as much as old people. Really? Yes. I think that, I mean, in my experience, that mayo is more popularly used. Well, I'm sure mayo is more popular. I just don't know. By young people. Oh, okay. I got you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess my friend then is is right. I guess it's just there's no application in which mayo and Miracle Whip can be swapped. And uh, I I think you're wrong. I think it's something that you know you can put on sandwiches. It's a, it's a very suitable sandwich spread. I'm very pleased with the taste, whether it be sweet or not. But agree to disagree, gents. I mean, to your you know, to your comfort level, no problem. I'm taking this so personally. <laughs> Don't take it personally. As a young person, it's clear you can choose not to eat as much Miracle Whip as you choose. Yeah. Have it I, on absolutely nothing. I was nothing. given the ability to not have to eat Miracle Whip. Yes. Well, good. And, and it is, that is your choice. Let me ask you something. Phrases or slangs that... Parents and old people should not be using. There's got to be an age, I guess, where adults should not be using language or slang words that are are more popular for the younger generation. What's the age? Give me some examples of when maybe a parent or somebody that you know said something that they thought was cool that was just clearly not cool. Um, I remember one day me and you were driving in the car and we were talking about slang and you were asking me a couple questions about like what certain things mean. And so I'm explaining them to you and not the day after I'm eating, I'm, I woke up, I'm eating breakfast in my room and my mom comes to my door. She opens it and she's like, Adam, are you pushing pee? <laughs> And I sat there for a second because not that I'm like somebody who used the phrase a lot, but the song had just come out and it was a pretty popular like joke. And so hearing my mom say that, just put it into perspective of how stupid it sounded. Yeah. Did it ruin it for you? I mean, a little bit. It, it was like, I just turned around and I was like, Never say that to me ever again. So suburban housewives have no business saying. I I just are find you it pee? unnecessary. You know. What if she gets it like that? What if she? <laughs> what if she really just understands? What if she's chill like that? What if she has she's, chill she's like, that? like that? 
that that kind of brings up the question like what's the is there uh is the regardless of age are there people that could be using slang words even if they're older definitely Not calling your mom i old, think so it it's all about like your relationship and knowledge of the person i feel like people you know suddenly like changing up and saying like you're using slang terms out of nowhere is very like well well it's out of nowhere it's mm-hmm very strange to hear but if you go up to like some random you know 60 year old guy who you've never met before and you know you ask him how it like his food is and he says it's bussin like you can't fault him for it you know maybe it is maybe his food is bussin let me ryan you come home all right late at night Mm -hmm. you're late mama kuchar standing in the hallway Arms crossed. Mm-hmm. She's upset. And she just looks at you. And she's like, really, Ryan? This is sus. <laughs> how are you How are you going to take that? Is it, I mean. You, um, turning back around and walking right out the door. <laughs> You're leaving, right? <laughs> exactly what I would do. No, my mom should not be using slang terms. Because I think because she's my mom. So like, like if you were to do it, I would think it's funny. But maybe it's because it's my mom. So that's what I'm saying about like. Certain people maybe. Mm-hmm. Are but I'm only to use doing it. it just to get a laugh out of you. That's fine, right? Yeah, I'm like I'm not using it because it's anything. I, that yeah, I use. you're using it ironically, like this. That sucks, right. but <laughs> no, I would not want my mom. I would not want my mom using that. Give me an example. Give me, give me, like now. When does it become cool again? Like you said, when the guy's sixty years old, if that's how he talks. Usually, though, if somebody's in their fifties and sixties. They're not using new slangs. Right. They're using the slangs that were popular 25 years ago, 30 years ago when, you know, when they were. Yeah. Um, but old slangs come back sometimes, guys. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I'm still using the same old stupid slangs that I, I use. And, and, I, and I get a rise out of people from them, you know? I mean, sometimes they're just dumb, but. Uh, I definitely think that it's all about the delivery it doesn't matter how old or who who you are well it does matter who you are and it depends on the audience but but you're the audience exactly <laughs> so if mom comes into your room and says are you pushing pee it's not okay <laughs> but but you know if somebody is very like nonchalant about it i guess for lack of like a better term uh you know, or it's if it comes out naturally, yeah, it's going to feel more natural to listen to. Sure. Whereas compared to your mom trying to use slang, absolutely, because then she's just being extra. Yeah, she's trying. She's doing too much. Yeah, if you if you're not if you're not trying too hard, then it's then it's okay. I think I agree with you. If it's if it's natural, yeah, then you're good. I'm just dying to hear, like, you know, Dave Papich or one of these, like, you know, older guys drop some new slang, you know, in church or something like that. Just say that something's fire or. We can we can come up with slang right now. Like, we can just invent new slang. We could. And if we just roll with it, no one's going to tell us, like, I otherwise. Mean, we're basically influencers now with this podcast. I mean, we we're have, famous. We have a platform. We have so much power. Yeah, we do. 
I mean, okay. we can shape and, the... Uh, careful. <laughs> We're famous. I would say that if you got a couple of those Cedars of Lebanon sitting in the chairs, right, you bring in Tom Sergis and Dave Papacher, some of these guys, and, and you ask them what those slangs meant or mean, oh, man, I bet you'd get some answers. Maybe that's an idea for when Maybe we have a guest. Maybe that's an idea. <laughs> Future episode. Future right? Episode. Could you imagine what Tom would say bussin' was? Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Now, now I'm trying. Now I'm trying to think of like other slang terms, because a few of those, like they're not the newest ones. You know, there's a few that I can't think of right now. You're trying to think of the newest ones. I'm just trying to think or of other recent general? ones. Lit. Lit. I, don't, I haven't said yeah. lit in a long time. It's an older one, but yeah. Yeah. Um. Scoop. Scoop. Like like come scoop? Like Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I use that one more ironically than than I like, oh come scoop. But like say it like that so everybody knows it's not. So when you say it like that, what the heck does it mean? Like like come come pick me up. Come <laughs> scoop. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling somebody to come and get you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Come scoop. Or slide. Slide to the Slide to the, uh, I don't know, anywhere. Slide to the football game. Slide to the... I I find myself saying bounce instead of leave. I got to bounce. Let's bounce. I got to go. Um, I mean... Dude, that's a really old one. I know. Like, that's, that's classic. That we used when we were kids. So that's what I'm saying. It like, just works. Well, yeah. But if, if I said that I'm going to bounce... You would think that I'm stealing that from your generation. I mean, not really. I, okay, me having known that it came from a previous generation, I wouldn't think that way. But I definitely can see somebody who didn't know that doing that. Like, I feel like that's a very common thing where kids will think that they are like it's something is new when but it's they're just the recycled. Ones that came up with it, right? Right. That it's been around forever. Um. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't have anything else. Ding. <laughs> right, Moving let on. You, let me ask you a question. Senior year. Mm-hmm. What do you have planned for for next year? What what's uh, what's the plan? Um, for after high school. So, I'm planning on going to college somewhere. Not really sure where yet. I mean, I I would love to play baseball in college. Um, I have one offer right now um, to play baseball, but I'm working on – I mean, I'm talking to other coaches in schools about baseball, but um, basically I'm thinking kind of a smaller school, maybe a place that gives me a lot of money because it's really expensive. Um, But, yeah, I mean, preferably somewhere out of state. Um, Yeah, I I mean, that's always nice to kind of get out on your own and do your own thing. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that I'll never, that I plan to live live far away, but just to get away for a little bit, Yeah, I feel like is a good idea. I think if you can use baseball, right, as, and it's a passion of yours, so if you can use that as this, you know, opportunity to pay for school, plus you get a chance to play, a, you know, a sport that you love. Right, yeah. I mean, it's... 
that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, you get to play a game. You get your education paid for, at least part of it. Mm-hmm. You go away to a school if it's, you know, in a surrounding state that's close to home where you can come back and visit. Then, I mean, you're doing all right for yourself. And a smaller school, you might have a better opportunity to play. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. awesome. Okay, cool. Well, I I know for what I'd like to do is is um, as we get kind of closer to bringing in guests, I'd like to be able to bring in some of our friends, whether that be from church or school or wherever, and then of course some adults as well, and get and get their testimony right. Like that's something that we worked on at church uh, with Rooted mm-hmm. was learning our story. And then learning how to tell that story in an effective way to share our testimony to get people to to understand kind of where you know our journey has been and, and how that led us to Christ. Right. So I'm going to start with you, Ryan, and then Adam will come from you know we'll do a different episode with yours. So give me kind of a breakdown of your your testimony and kind of what led you to this point. And and you understanding that you needed a relationship with Christ. Sure. Yeah. So when I when I tell people my testimony, I I usually preface by saying that my story is a story of realizing that I need Jesus, and that's like then that I can't do it on my own. So um, I mean, going back to like when I was younger, I grew up in church. Like I went to. Um, you know, summer camps and day camps. And that's where I committed my life to Jesus when I was like, I think seven. You're a local kid. You do, you didn't yeah. doing that here. Yeah. 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 Um, I was like seven and you know, the camp counselor, they, it's usually the third or fourth day. They share the, share the gospel. And then, and that's where I committed my life to Jesus for the first time. Um, so I've had that, but that's not to say, I mean, just cause you, have been in church your whole life, that doesn't mean that you um, don't face the same temptations and even give in to them sometimes. So, um, you know, you go through, you have this this relationship with Jesus and you're still trying to grow and build on it. Um, So, like I said, I face the same temptations and even, you know, drift off the path slightly, you know. Um, But the common theme is always realizing when I'm off the path that, this isn't the way I want to go. I need to follow Jesus and I need Jesus in my life. Um, so you can know, you know, you fall off the path, you come back, you ask for forgiveness, you repent. Um, and you realize that no matter what in your life, you need Jesus. And so, um, you know, even in, even in the times where, um, even where I've strayed or where I've fallen off, you know, I still have Jesus. Um, and that's kind of my story. Like, you know, you start, start at a young age, but then you still have those times where you're falling off. It can be really difficult when you are talking about a kid who's started at a young age. Right. Um, I, I would say it's, it's, it's difficult in a different way mm-hmm. because an adult who, who has never had a relationship with, with Jesus He's had his whole life, and and it feels to him like 
he's home for the first time. Mm-hmm. He has a bunch of, he would focus more on all of the things that he has done wrong. Mm-hmm. And then it would be obvious that he's been forgiven, you know, when he repents. And he's grateful for that. When you have a kid, seven, eight, nine, who has grown up in the church, how much, how much failure has that child really experienced? I mean, obviously, we are all, we're all sinful. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all need to repent and, and, and have that relationship with Christ for, for our salvation. But for the child who has kind of come to know Christ, it's the drift. Mm, That's yeah, exactly. the part that, and it's and it's constant. There's always that, you know, you're kind of your, you get off course, mm-hmm. and then one decision leads you further away, and then further away, and then because you have that, you know that, that knowledge of Christ, you can recenter yourself, right? You can always repent and come back. Yeah. But you have to also know that. You can't beat yourself up, right? The grace is always available to you. And, and what I like about your story is, is that you're not focusing on the drift. You know, that, that is going to happen because you're, you're, you're a human being. What you're focusing on is the grace and, and always coming back and trying every single day to be, you know, that person who, who repents and returns. And, um, and to know that Christ is always available is... Uh, Boy, that's 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 the difference maker for me. Um, so I like that man. Good job. I mean, that's that's a really powerful testimony, and I think that you know when you whether you're sharing that at school or whether you're sharing that in college, uh, that's going to be a really useful tool for you. Yeah, I mean, thanks. I, I um, you know, I Satan has worked hard, and I feel like I feel like when you have that faith at a young age, that Satan has to work that much harder because you have that, that, um, foundation. So it's harder to break. And so, um, that's what kind of has caused the drift for me is you see little things coming from all different directions. Like, Oh, that, you know, drinking or any, like any sort of thing like that. That's where you see the slow drift. Like, Oh, I'll just, I'll try this once or, you know, I'll go over here. But, I mean, since you have that foundation, you always have something to go back to. Um, if you don't mind me asking a question, would you say that you had either a like defining moment or a specific memory that you remember sitting there after that or looking back on it and kind of thinking, I am like, whether it be like, I am so lost or like, finally, whether you realizing how far you've drifted away or kind of realizing how much better it is to live your life for Christ and through. That's a great Christ. question. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know that I've had a. Oh my gosh! Like, what is? What am I doing with my mm-hmm. life? But I've had like, you know, being on the stage worshiping either at Green Lake or at church or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've realized like this is what I want my life to be like. Yeah, and it's not. It's not so much. I need to go back, but it's like, I never want to leave, I think, would be my answer to that. I would imagine that that would be um, something, when somebody's on stage, right, and leading, whether it be a small group or worship 
or you know um you know you're a student leader when you feel like you're not in a place that's that's close to god you you can feel like a fraud at times mm-hmm. and so there's an accountability there um but yeah i i like i like the way you put that you know that that that's where you want to be and that kind of keeps you centered in that mm-hmm. that's good so one of the things i wanted to do we didn't get a chance to do it in the first you know the first episode but i do want to spend some time just kind of opening up the bible and and looking at something just a simple passage we don't have to spend a whole lot of time you know breaking it down but I think there are New Testament stories or historical events that the authors in the New Testament write about, and they presuppose that we, as readers, or at at the time they're readers, would know that there are linking stories to that in stories of the Old Testament. And I think one of those, and it's one of my favorites, is Mark 4. Mark 4 is when Jesus calms the storm. I'm going to read Mark 4, 35 through 41, and then I'm going to ask Ryan to read the corresponding story that I think fits pretty well, and that's going to be Jonah 1, 4 through 15, 15. I believe, or 17. Yeah, 16. Yeah, thank you. Let me start with Mark 4, starting with verse 35. The day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind them, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that they nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still, he said. Then the winds died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. That last question we're going to come back to, but first I want you to read, Jonah 1, 4 through 16. Sure. Jonah chapter 1. Before you start. Okay. I'm just going <laughs> to dive in. Quick context of what's going on, because we're not reading the, the part before. Jonah has been asked to do something by God, and he doesn't want to do it. And so in this chapter, he's running. He is trying to hide from God. And so where that takes him is directly to a dock He's jumping on a ship. He's going to head to Tarshish, and this is what transpires. Go ahead. Jonah chapter 1. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate soldiers shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your god. Maybe he will pay, our, pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. 
When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do? What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. I think what you find here in in the story in Jonah is that Jonah is running from his responsibilities. Mark is writing aware that his readers are going to know about this Old Testament story. He's anticipating that his question in verse 41 in Mark Who is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. Is the parallel to kind of what's going on in in the story of Jonah. Now, what's interesting, right, is Jonah knows that he is serving Yahweh, right? The Old Testament, the God of Old Testament. And when the winds and the waves stop, those sailors now begin to worship that same God. They begin to worship the God of heaven, the God you know that Jonah serves, the one true God. And so when Mark says, who is this, even the winds and waves, in the story of Jonah, God calmed the waves, calmed the seas from outside the boat in Mark. Mark is telling us that that same God, Yahweh, is inside the boat with the disciples that he is the one standing on the deck, that he is the one calming the waves, that Jesus is God himself. And I think he's telling us that, hoping that we'll make that comparison, but he's telling us who God is, and that's Jesus. I love that that connection to the story. Um, hopefully we'll have quite a few more of these moving forward, and we'll be able to kind of make these connections to the Old Testament to the, from the New Testament. But... Um, what do you guys think? We're going to wrap it up here in just a minute. Last thoughts. What um, do you got? Something to add, Ryan? Um, well, I was just I am kind of amazed by the parallel, and like that just shows like the uh, how intricate scripture really is. There's so and many layers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can read it at face level and not recognize that, but. Once you dig deeper into that and you, you start to see the parallels. So. And separately, these stories are amazing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Separately, the, whether you're talking about what God did in the Old Testament with Jonah or what you're talking about what Jesus does, does on the deck on the lake. Mm-hmm. But when you do see them connect and you see the parallels there and you see the layers there, you're like, man, there's just there's so many things that, that Jesus fulfills 
over 300 mm-hmm. prophecies. Yeah. If it were just if it were just a few, it would be it would be a miracle, mm-hmm. right? Like it would be impossible. Yeah. But to, to to know that there's hundreds, it's there's there's just no denying. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Adam? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to add. You guys did a really great job with that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I still think it's funny that people can like read the Bible and you know seeing those things and hearing those things and not be convinced because it's like you said so intricately made. You know, there's so many things that connect to each other. Not one thing goes against what was said previously or after itself. Yeah, and we might not we might not understand all of it. You know, all of it. Yeah. Uh, there's parts, right, that 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 we would question and be like, "Man, I don't see how that fits just yet." But give it some time. It's not going to just open itself up to you the first time you read it. You know, that's that's the whole point of having the Holy Spirit so that you can so that you can have those moments and and it, it unfolds before your eyes. Um little by little sometimes when you need it, too. So well, great. This was good. Yeah, yeah not too shabby. We did yeah. a great job. <laughs> yeah, we did. Everybody we do. shaking yeah. hands all around. Good job. Well yeah. done. Good job. Well, this has been another episode of Circle the Drain. Uh, thank you all for listening. With We have Jared Brooks, Adam Brooks, and Ryan Kuchar. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs>